your Bibles open to John chapter 21, we continue looking at John's gospel uh, this morning, John chapter, John chapter 21. When Bonnie mentioned, uh, you know, every year, no matter, uh, especially if you have unsaved children and families who are going to come on campus during the fall festival, we've, we've done something like this for ever since I've been here for at least 20 years, if not 24, 25 years. We've done some kind of fall festival. When you have unsaved people or families come on campus, you are going to have some of those scary Things. I mean, they they don't get the message. They don't read the sign. They're they're not you know. So they're going to dress like a ghost or a, have a demon head or something, because that's what the culture says. Um, what you do it at Halloween, uh, as I call it, it's the devil's holiday. So we want to do something about that. Um, but tell you what, what happens when you're young, and this is, and I've I've, I've shared this one other time, when I was a youth pastor, and this is. This is when I was in Foley, okay? This is, this, is, I mean, this is way back. This is when I was 21, 22, 23, and I was in, at First Baptist of Foley, and I was the youth pastor there. And, and uh, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but for Halloween, <laughs> I did a haunted house. <laughs> and I'd, I'd, I'm embarrassed to tell you that. You know, I didn't know any better right? Well, I did know, but I did it, and and what was surprising is I got away with it. I didn't get fired, number one. I didn't have any deacons confront me, and and I didn't, it was an amazing thing that I had a, I mean, we had some crazy stuff, but we called it at the church a haunted house. We even brought in a casket, and it just all kind of dark stuff. It's crazy, and some of the stuff you do thinking you're going to glorify God. I I'll, I'll never forget that. Obviously, you know, you grow up and you don't do those things again. But I was thinking when Bonnie said that, I was thinking, man, when I was 21, 20, I had a, do you don't find that crazy? You don't really care, do you? Well, okay. But anyway, I was kind of embarrassed, kind of embarrassed by that. Also, and this has nothing to do with anything, but you know how life is just different. Uh, I used to dress up a lot more on Sundays, you know probably starting five, six, seven years ago, I, I quit dressing up as, as much. I can remember the first time I wore blue jeans on Sunday night and somebody noticed that because I usually would dress up on even on Sunday nights. But I, I usually don't wear... You don't care about this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I usually don't wear dress shoes because of my knees and the hip. You have to wear... So, but I got dress shoes on today and I got my Clarks on. And they're not as cushy as the other ones. But usually, and, and uh, Sam knows, if Sam Spivey's in here, so when Sam used to come up, do, okay, I'd always be, whack, I'd be buffing my shoes. I, every Sunday I wore them, I'd buff them in my office. And Sam would be coming up, going to the nursing home, and I'd be in there buffing my... It's been so long that I've had the same, the shoe wax for like 12 years, and I still have plenty left in the container to do, do my shoes for another... I don't know why I tell you stuff like that. But God's good. I'm in John chapter John chapter uh, 21. I, you know, uh, think about something. Uh, how many people here, uh, but especially people that you know of, 
that live a religious life. Listen to what I'm going to ask you. How many people out there live a religious life void of the Lordship of Christ? I would dare say on a Sunday morning, even at our church, there's some like that. That your, your life is not really... A, it, you might even call your life churchianity, not Christianity. It's, it's a religion. And, and in, in all honesty, it's, it's void of any faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's sad. When we're reading John chapter 21... You have this encounter and this restoration of Peter. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read quite a lengthy part of John chapter 21. So your Bible's open here to John chapter 21. I'm going to begin at verse 1. I will skip some verses in just a moment. But let's read God's Word together. And of course, we were in this passage last Sunday morning. It says... uh, After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And He revealed Himself in this way. By the way, do you remember what the word disciple, the the word, what does the word disciple mean? If you were to look up a mathetes and learner, it means learner. Uh, So, If you're a disciple of Christ, or if you are discipling someone, you are learning about the Lordship of Christ and submitting to Him. By the way, you find this in the Gospels 270 times. And then the rest of the New Testament is describing what disciples do. Very interesting. And He revealed Himself in this way. Simon Peter... Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, of course he was a leader, vocal, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. We, we, this is what we dealt with last Sunday. Night fishing, very common, beat the heat, fish at night. Casting nets, the, the passage that Robbie read was the calling of these fishermen uh, to follow Christ. And you had a, two of them were, were mending their nets and a couple of them were fishing, casting nets. Well, they've gone back to it. It says, um, so they said, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat and, and that night they caught nothing. And of course... Just briefly, you have to think about that. You, any departure from obedience to Christ will profit you nothing. The book of Romans says, the Spirit gives life. Walking in the Spirit, you have life and you give life and you grow in life. But he says, the flesh profits nothing. Void. The flesh equals Zero. So you accomplish nothing. So by departing, they had, you know, they'd gone back to their old way and they caught nothing, which is a great picture. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And this is not the only time that happened in his resurrected form. He could and would sometimes veil his appearance. 
Jesus said to them, children, again, I'm not going to go over that. Remember, it's very significant, that word. Only time it appears in reference to the disciples where they've been acting like children. They're, they're disobedient children. And of course, we all are children of God. You know the picture. Children, do you have any fish? Potty is the word for child. I mean, four-year-old, five-year-old, first grader, just a little child. Do you have any fish? And remember last Sunday, the implications there, as I read the text, Jesus was implying they didn't have any fish, but guess who did? He did, right? He owns the fish, right? He knew where they were, and He knew that they hadn't caught anything even before He asked. They answered Him, no, we haven't caught anything. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. By the way, another way to take that is doing what Jesus says is always the right thing to do. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Another part of that, again, I mentioned last Sunday, was they had to turn around to cast the net. You know, If they were casting on the left side, He says cast the net on the right side, which is they had to turn around, which is the word for repent. Just a great word picture there. And you know, Christ watches them do this. He says cast your net on the other side. And so... You know, as he's watching, they turn and get on the other side of the boat and, and begin to cast their net. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul, haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, who is that? John. Okay. Therefore said to Peter, Folks, I was going to end with this, but let me just open with it. He, he said to Peter, It is the Lord. Okay. It is the Lord. How many times are you able to say that in your daily life when, when things are happening and you're able to see that the hand of God and the mercy of Jesus, that it's all about the Lord. It is, love the psalm, it is the Lord's doing. That, that life and, and your pilgrimage on this earth, it's about the Lord. I love that, that phrase, it, it is the Lord. I mean, how many times a day does those words even leave your lips in your life where you say, you know, it's about the Lord, it's, it's the Lord. I, I repent because it's the Lord. I obey because it's the Lord. It, it's, it's the Lord. And of course, you see Peter's reaction when Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord. He, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He was in his underwear, so to speak, you might say. And, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not that far from land, about a hundred yards. When they got out on land, they, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid out on it. You ever wonder where those fish came from? Remember when Jesus said, do you have any fish? It doesn't tell us where He got the fish. Did He just make them? Did He have them come out of the water and jump in His hand? I don't know. But all of them were his fish, right? This is a sovereign thing. 
He said, so he said to them, look at what Jesus says. Bring some. I love this. This is the, you know, God uses us. It's an interesting thing. You read the book of Acts, verse chapter 1, and you discover that Jesus began a ministry that He didn't finish. Now, you can read this, Acts 1-1, all that Jesus began to do and teach until He was taken up. Well, we know He finished redemption. We know that. But building up the body of Christ, the church, He, he, did, he started it, He owns it, but He lets us be a part of it. I, I see that in Him inviting. He didn't need the fish that the apostles caught. But he wanted them to participate in the fellowship meal. So they went and got some of their fish. I love the picture there. And he has invited me and you as his disciples to be a part of his kingdom work. He doesn't need us. He allows us to be. A, you ever thought about that? I mean, does God need you? No. He doesn't. He is an all-sufficient, eternal, holy God. He doesn't need uh, he doesn't need anything. He is self-sufficient. But he says, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Every time I read this, if you don't mind me making a kind of a walking commentary, I think about how many fish I've caught in the name of Jesus, and I'm not talking about at the river. I'm talking about souls. Because that's what this is a picture of. That's what Robbie read. He called them not, not to continue to cast a net or do a drag net in the Sea of Galilee. He called them to be fishers of men. And folks, all of us have been... You know, the, the idea of a casting a net, the Bible, the word in the New Testament is the word oikos. Now, that's not the word net. But in the New Testament, it says all of us have a circle, a sphere. You know, when you cast a net, if you've ever, how many of you ever casted a fish net? You know, cast, cast net. It's not easy, is it? And but you throw it, and if it's according to what size it is, you know, it opens up, and it's a twelve-foot circle, or it's supposed to be, or ten-foot, whatever. Well, the Bible uses the, that all of us have a household. A it's the word oikos, house. That that we have a and. And our lives are, that's the first group that we're responsible for. We, we have a gospel presence with this circle of people we run in contact with all the time. And so, we are ca so uh, you're all the time casting the net, fishing with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, so there's a, he says, so, uh, so they hauled in 153. So they brought some they caught. So Simon Peter went aboard. So they went back on the boat, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. John was amazed by that, so that's somewhat of a miracle. He put it in here. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus come. Uh, they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and, and took the bread and gave it to them and and so with, with the fish. This was now, so they had breakfast, a fish for breakfast. Uh, interesting enough, my step-grandfather was a retired 
shrimper. He, he shrimped for 50 years. Uh, and you know what we had for breakfast a lot? Fish and shrimp and oysters. It's weird, but it was good. So they have fish for breakfast. Now, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples when he had been after he had been raised from the dead. Very important that you realize, and I mentioned this again, I'm kind of being repetitive, that you know, Jesus didn't walk with them, you know, for 40 days and 40 nights in his appearances. He made appearances. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lists eight or nine of them. There was probably more, but he lists some. But he would appear. So John's saying that when this event where he restores Peter is the third time that he appeared to the disciples after he had been resurrected from the dead. Well, let's continue the narrative. When they had, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now that, then if you have a red letter, uh, by the way, it's all God's Word, okay? Uh, I happen to have a red letter today, so I know that when I'm reading the text, technically now it's Jesus speaking, right? And, but it's all God's Word. Uh, I will tell you the ESVs which we use, and I'm big on the ESV, many of the ESVs don't put red letters because one of their you know, theological convictions is all of it's God's Word. And, and you know, you're not supposed to say well, only the red letters, what's in the red counts. It all counts. It's all God-breathed. That's what the New Testament says. So, but, and again, he says Simon. And, and again, he uses, he gave Simon the name Peter, which is a little stone, but he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. And again, I made a reference to that last week because he, he's, he's gone back to his old way of living. Because when he first met him, his name was Simon. And when he called him, he was Simon. Jesus gave him the name Peter, but he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon because he was living like he used to live. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And of course, he's talking about the fish, the boat, the fish, and all that experience. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, But why is it three times? Why does he do this three times? You can answer. Because he denied him how many times? Okay. It's a restoration. Okay. He's restoring... Peter to fellowship. Three times Peter denied him. And even one time, he even cusses. He swears and, and that he doesn't know Jesus. So he uses some kind of swear word to try to convince the people that he wasn't a disciple. The Lord, so he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And so He didn't say more than that. He said, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time. Don't you know Peter knew? I know he knew exactly what Christ was doing. He, he's aware. He even writes about it. We'll read some of that in a minute. But Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. 
because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. By the way, have you ever, do you remember what Peter did? Now this is, Jesus has, you know, let's just say, you, know, you have ten days, you know, Jesus goes into the grave, okay, he's, 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 and He's resurrected, right, from the dead, three, three days. And, and He tells them to go tarry uh, in Jerusalem till, till they be endued with power from on high. And, and they go and they wait ten days before the, the Pentecost came and then the Spirit came. And it's just an interesting thing that Peter went through. But the very thing that Jesus did in restoring Peter, for instance, uh, at, at Pentecost, I mean, you're, you're talking about not very long after the restoration of Peter. You know, Jesus resurrected from the dead, made appearances for 40 days. 50 days after, you know, the 10 days after he ascended, the Feast of Pentecost comes and Peter preaches. Okay? This is... And so in, in Acts 2, Peter preaches. So now we're 10 days, you know, Jesus ascended... And it's ten days later, Peter preaches. Yes, Peter loved the Lord. He preached at Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. If you go to Acts 15, when he talks about shepherding the sheep and feeding the sheep, you go to Acts 15. Acts 15 is, is the Jerusalem council. And Peter... Now, this is where they're trying to decide, do Gentiles get saved just like Jews? Okay? You can read it for yourself, Acts 15. It's an important council. So Peter stands up amongst all these other Jewish people. And, and he was pretty rigid. He, he sometimes would ostracize Gentiles. But he stands up and he basically says, the Gentiles get saved just like we get saved. Christ came for them just as much as He did us. So... You think about the feeding and tending. That's what Peter... i tell you what. Go, go to the book of Acts. It's, it's just the next... Take a right. I mean, I'm taking one right in, in my Bible. Go to... Look at Acts chapter... Um, go to Acts chapter 4. I want you to see this real quickly. Uh, Acts chapter 4. This is... So, you know, again, we're, we're talking... So, Jesus is resurrected... He appears for 40 days, often on 40 days. He ascends. He tells them to tarry. And then on, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes. Peter preaches and people get saved. Now this is not long after Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. I'm in, I'm in Acts chapter 4. Uh, look what it says. This is going to be a little, a little lengthy passage, but listen to God's Word. As they were speaking to the people... The priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming they were teaching and preaching. What did Jesus ask Peter to do? Teach and tend. That's exactly what Peter's doing. And by the way, you're going to notice he's 
teaching and preaching in the midst of the very people that had Jesus executed. Now, keep reading. I'm going to keep reading. They were greatly annoyed, and, and, and I'll tell you, the, the pagan world and the world that you and I live in will tolerate our religion, our faith. What they don't want to hear from us is the message of the exclusivity of Christ. They don't want to be called sinners. They don't want to be confronted. They'll let us celebrate our little world of religion. And I'm kind of being facetious. But they don't want to hear the gospel. They, so they were frustrated that Peter was proclaiming the resurrection from the dead. Of course, you know which group didn't like that. That was the Sadducees. And they arrested them. And, and, they, and they put, this is Peter and John, and put, uh, they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men now came to be about 5,000. Peter is fulfilling exactly what Christ asked him to do. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest. Do you remember the crucifixion of Christ? These are the key players. And, and Caiaphas and John and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired... By what power or by what name did you do this? You know, they'd, they'd healed a, a man. You know, what I do have, you know, get up more. By what power or by what name you have done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? I love this. He always talked about Christ. He said, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by Him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you who are the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else. This is a memory verse. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now here's what I want you to say. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived... Now think about John watched Peter get restored. What we're reading, the narrative in John 21. And this is just a few weeks after that. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were not Pharisees, they were not teachers and scribes, they were astonished. And I love this, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So they noticed the boldness of Peter and John which they would because these are the same people who had Jesus executed. Why were they not afraid of execution? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the other thing that's amazing about this encounter. We're kind of chasing a rabbit here. Folks, 
You cannot deny transformation. Can you? You can't deny it. Somebody could try to convince me Jesus is not real. They could try. They could tell me the Bible's crazy, whatever. But I know, I know it's true. Because His his power transformed my life, right? So, look what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were under... And then it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside, standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Folks, the power of a transformed life is an amazing thing. It verifies the reality of, of the new life in Christ. Well, what's going on now? That's... You fixed to give me the shock treatments? <laughs> let's jump over to the end. Let, let me, let's go to, uh, we need to finish. Uh, let's, so he says, let's pick up at verse, uh, uh, let's pick up, I'm back in 21. Let's pick up at 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, we'll just finish the chapter. I've got five minutes. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, now see, he restores him, okay? But, but then look what he tells what's going to He tells Peter something. About, I've restored you. And, and we just read some passages and referred to some... He, Peter gets it. And, and God uses him to write parts of the New Testament. But Jesus is going to tell him he's going to die for his faith. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you, you used to... Uh, Dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, John makes this comment. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Now folks, when, when, back when Robbie read what he read out of Matthew 4, Jesus said, matter of fact, he says it six times in John's Gospel. But through the Gospels, he says, especially in John 4, when he follow me. Now, he says, follow me. Now I'm, now I'm back to Matthew 4. You don't have to turn there. He says, follow me. What's the next phrase? And I will... Make you fishers of men. This is where grammar, you, you don't, you, we call it parsing. And Greek scholars parse verbs and nouns. Verbs have like seven different rules of grammar. He says, I will make you. Just to let you know, it's future. It's indicative in its first person. So this is what it means. Future tense, the mood is indicative. Now an indicative is not a command. I will make you. An indicative is God saying, this is the way it is. 
Period. So, Jesus is saying, at salvation, for all of us, I will make you. It's only one. Only one can do that. And it's only one at a time. I, He, noun, I, I will make you. It's Him, one person at a time. So you don't get saved in groups. You get saved by His power one at a time. But He makes you. Listen, He makes you fishers of men. Folks, all of us that have been saved are fishers of men. We, by living out the Christian life, determine what kind of fishermen for Christ that we really are. I, that's a strong, I will make you. And then he ends it by saying, follow me. Well, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So John was right there and and the one who also had leaned back against him during supper and had asked the Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? You remember that scene. And, And when Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What's Peter asking? Okay. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to die for your faith. So, what does Peter want to know? Well, if I'm going to die for my faith, what was he, what's he? He's saying, what's going to happen to John? If you look at the sermon title, this is the reference I'm making. Of course, it's sad that I'm getting to it at the end of the, the hour. But Jesus said to him, uh, so he said, Peter said to him, what about him? What, what about John? And Jesus said to him, are you looking at your Bibles? If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Folks, we have a very difficult problem. Not, here's my, I have the problem. I, I, I think about how other people ought to be living. I'm bad about that. Rather than examining my own life first. We talked about it in Bible study. You follow me. By the way, that is a command. And, and of course, John gives us a little commentary. We'll finish here in John 21. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple, who was John, was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Folks, look what John says at the end. He says, he says, this is the disciple. This is the learner who is bearing witness about these things. Remember, a witness talks about what he's seen what he's heard, and what he's experienced. You can go to 1 John, and John talks a lot about witnessing what I've seen. He starts it out, all that we've seen and heard, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That's how he starts out 1 John. This is the disciple 
who is bearing witness about these things. By the way, it's interesting, if you look at the original language, the word for witness is the word martyr. Who has written these things. Now think, the, the learner, this is the learner who's witnessed about these things, and guess what he's doing? Who has written these things. You, do you know what John knows he's doing when he writes his gospel? Do you know what he knows he's doing? He knows he's writing God's Word. It's an amazing thing. I say this all the time. Don't you know these guys wrote stuff all the time? But writing God's Word, being inspired to write God's Word, they knew exactly what was going on. So these are written. So he says, we know that his testimony is true. Folks, this is an affirmation of the authority of, of God's Word, is it not? I mean, it's... So it says, now these... Now there, there are also many... John ends has gotten... There are many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Flip, just look at chapter 20, and I'll, I'll read these two verses and we'll close. Chapter 20, verse 30. This is, by the way, the purpose statement for John. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book in the presence of the disciples. But these are written. God's Word. These are written so that you may believe present tense so it says that you may keep on believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Well, folks, this is the story not only of the restoration of the Apostle Peter, but this is the confirmation of the Apostle John actually writing God's Word. John 21, 7. John says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I pray that you can say most of your life, it's about the Lord. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open unto the Lord. And Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing Have Thine Own Way. We sing it quite often, but before we do that, before our moments of invitation, I just want to share with you a little bit about why we have an invitation. This invitation is, is for sinners to repent, for lost people to be saved, for those who are dead in sin to be born anew. And if you're here today and you're, you've never been saved, you've heard enough gospel truth, you've, you've heard it read, and there's, there's enough gospel truth for you to understand that it takes repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Without Christ, 
there is no hope. So if you're here today and, and you've never been saved, we're, we're praying, begging, pleading with you to repent and, and surrender your heart to Christ. And that can happen today. And, and when we stand and sing, my prayer and others are praying that you might come and tell me that. You just got to say, Brother Bryce, I, I want to talk to you about what it means to be saved. And, and we'll stay after church and talk and, and share the gospel. And we'll under, help you understand what it means to repent and believe. But it's also for the church. I, I'm inviting you to make your life about the Lord. Just like Peter, all of us need to be restored. Most of us in here have made a mockery of life. We're not what we ought to be. And it's time that we got serious about discipleship. And If that's you, if that's where you are, you can kneel where you are, you can come to the altar, you can pray where you're standing. But today can be a day of decision for you, maybe a day of reformation. If God is speaking to you and, and He's calling upon you to make something public, I'll, I'll be down front to share with you. Father, we thank You for the work of the Spirit and the power of Your Word. Bless these moments together in Christ's name. We stand together. Have Thine own way, Lord. Have Thine own way. You know it well. We'll stand together. We'll sing. If you need to come, I'll, I'll wait just a second on you. Have Thine own way, Lord. Think about what you're saying. Have Thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Thy will. While I am waiting, you did and Let's still sing one more verse. Have thine own will, Lord. Have thine own will. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord. Wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. I want you to look at the screen for just a second. That's Avery. TJ and Avery. Tim, are you in here? Yeah, tell us. This is, uh, by the way, Avery weighs 87 pounds. I told the church Wednesday night, she's never been a big girl. But she's, she's lost about 25, 30 pounds. Tell us when y'all took this and what TJ had done. Well, TJ has uh, been struggling. And uh, he, has, he knows he's not alone. Man. I'm sorry, Tim. It's fine. And she's struggling.
I know Melissa. Melissa's staying with her, correct? Yes, yeah. Yes. So Melissa, we need to pray for Melissa too, because I mean she's working just like Marianne does, and works from up there. And and so this is uh, we want to pray for these two folks. Those of you, some of you may not know, but that's Avery Jordan. They left our church. They moved to Fairhope. Well, we just she was diagnosed when they were here. They left about I guess nine months ago. But we want to pray for them, so let's do that now. I'm going to say a little prayer out loud, but oh my goodness, you pray for these precious young people. Father, there's a thousand things that's running through my mind. But ultimately, my heart's desire and really the desire of all of us is for healing, physical healing. God, we, we, we we're bold and we're confident because we know that the victory's been won and we know it's not all about physical health. We, we know that it's about spiritual regeneration. It's about life eternal. It's about being in Christ and Christ being in us. But Lord, as, as two teenagers that are struggling with cancer, I, out of the same little country church, God, we pray that you would allow them to be a walking witness of the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may You do a physical thing so that You might get the glory. Lord, bless the moms and dads that are involved, the family. I pray for, I pray for their church, Chaz and Melissa's church back in Fairhope. And Father, thank You for our church. Thank you for Tim and Mary Ann. And Lord, we look forward to, to daily walking with them. We look forward to what you're going to do, not only in TJ's life, but in Tim and Mary Ann's and Chaz and Melissa's. We love you. Do a work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. See you at 4.30 for choir, 6 o'clock for Bible study.